0: Sir from the of Brass, I'm Carson Stouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making uh, his uh, one of his approximately monthly appearances now. One of his monthly appearances, say, is the senior editor at Fangraphs.com, Jeff Sullivan. Listeners will likely be acquainted with Sullivan by means of the delightful prose he produces and which appears in the electronic pages of Fangraphs. What follows uh, is very similar to that, very similar to that, except in terms of except instead of written prose. What we have is spoken prose, if you can speak prose. Perhaps you can't. We will see. If you've come to this edition of the podcast looking for the crack analysis that typically appears at Fangups, you'll get some of it. For example, we discuss uh, Michael Pineda, uh, we discuss command, Michael Pineda's command, and then the idea of attempting to identify command um, quantitatively, or even by means of observation, if, even if that's possible. We discuss that. Uh, We we discuss a lot else too It's a uh, a spirited conversation Full of digressions And uh, just two men trying to amuse themselves Oh, and of course um, Not without the uh, On Jeff Sullivan's part Not without the occasional meditation On uh, existential matters
1: I don't know why I'm here But there are donuts outside
0: It is Fangraphs Audio Uh, It does feature uh, senior editor at Fangraphs Jeff Sullivan And it begins right now
1: You have to call me for these things.
0: No, it's fine. Hey, what equipment oh. do
1: you use? I use a uh, a microphone and uh, and uh, earphones that I bought from the internet, and that's all that I know.
0: What what, what sort of microphone?
1: Uh, what, How specifically do you mean?
0: I mean, what kind? First of all, what kind of microphone? Like what style?
1: It's like a headset. Like ear ear set ear I can't talk, Jesus! It's like a headset, and then there's a, a microphone that comes out of it and wraps around the face, and it's like the. The support is bendable and flexible, but I don't – I just bought something that seemed to get decent reviews and was inexpensive.
0: Yeah, well, the quality is really strong. Meanwhile, we're trying to get Dave Cameron to sound like a human being, which – Well, know.
1: okay, but that's, that's not going to be up to equipment you can buy on the Internet.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you think – Well, I guess we shouldn't talk about his kid. We'll talk about his kid later when the kid's more developed, but I'm curious to see what qualities of Dave's he picks up. (laughs) You'd hope.
0: I mean, you hope for none,
1: right? Well, there's a
0: couple that are useful probably.
1: (laughs) Well, white male is a pretty good start.
0: It's a good start. Yeah. I mean, it's good in the sense that it makes your life, it's it's the easiest one to be assigned.
1: Yeah, but unfortunately he won't be coming for money. No. No.
0: Nope. None of that. Yeah. So, hi. Hi. Jeff, it's hi. a real pleasure to speak with you. This well, is I, I always,
1: uh, I always look forward to these things. I have, uh, I, it's always a little ch- challenging if we have a podcast scheduled for the afternoon, then I know that whenever we schedule, and it's really like half an hour later than that. Yeah, it, I want to
0: apologize for today. Uh, I was walking my dog and, um, needed to, <laughs> uh, I, we needed her to take a BM. That's, uh-huh. uh, that's what you, you don't need to know that, but, um, but uh, that's what I was waiting for.
1: Yeah. Well, I would have been curious if I didn't know that. So I, you so anticipated you, the question. It's, it's important, spirit. I think, for uh, for conversation and and for writing is you have to anticipate questions and uh, provide answers.
0: You're still going. Uh, Speaking of right, you're still you're you're doing two a day, Jeff Sullivan. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah I know. You're doing it's, two a day. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and the small little things get under my skin. Mm-hmm. If I like, I what I want to do is just write a post and then move on, but then. And then I assume, okay, well, the people are going to leave comments, whatever. I don't really care. But every so often I'll see uh, a remark that's just it's just like right in the sweet spot of criticism where I just can't move on and then focus on doing the next post. Oh, like, yes. Like, yeah, I was, I was talking about the, for example, the Dodgers offense. I wrote a post about the Dodgers offense and how good it's been. And now I have somebody on Twitter asking me, well, why didn't you show how good it's been through 32 games relative to how good – all other offenses in the past have been through 32 games instead of full season. Which, okay, granted, that's fine. It doesn't change the point. The Dodgers offense has been great, and my way it was really easy to do <laughs> because you just go to the leaderboards. And I'm, I'm not a—I don't know how to do things that are complicated. The most complicated thing I can do is like either make a GIF or sustain a relationship, and that's about it. Not at the same time, though. No. No, absolutely. That's gyps <laughs> are by day, relationship <laughs> by night. Yeah, right,
0: right, right. Yeah, not the same. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. It's actually interesting you mention that because um, uh, my wife was just dealing with a situation where um, uh, she received uh, some criticism yep. on a project about which she didn't care really at all. Mm-hmm. And she, the criticism – Irked her, despite the fact that she didn't care about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because
1: I think it's not so much about the the product of your work, but you think, well, I, I invested time in this, and now somebody's critical of my method. Yeah, the method is more reflective of you.
0: Yeah, and uh, the, the 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 her correspondent asked, how are you going to rectify this?
1: <laughs> and I,
0: her, her, her answer in her head is, I don't want to rectify it. I don't want to. I just want to move on. But these things, uh, they stick with you. And
1: they stick with yeah.
0: you. The, I can um, imagine
1: what it – I'm sorry. The but, comedian uh,
0: Leslie, Leslie Jones, uh, who's on Saturday Night Live, she's a stand-up comedian, she mm-hmm. said that um, um, she was mentioning this, uh, responding to people who criticize her via social media platform, twitter.com. Mm-hmm. And she said if you call me if she said cuz she is a uh a she's a very large woman and she said if you call me a gorilla uh why well, <laughs> she said I want you to know if you call me a gorilla I'm also I'm going to call your your mother a gor- a gorilla uh huh so there you go
1: yeah yeah so uh so I can not how how thankful are you on a day-to-day basis that we don't have to go through like the scientific journal peer review process like the most review we might get is like a once over by Dave Cameron. Yeah. You know? But, like, can you imagine if every single little thing was picked and every every knit was picked or whatever the expression would be? Yeah, but I don't, think that, to,
0: I don't think that you would be required to produce as much.
1: Uh, no. <laughs> One should hope not because yeah. I think you publish a paper in science about once every year, which it would not be very good for site traffic. Were you right. ever,
0: because uh, I know what you were involved in the sciences as an undergraduate, I think, did, were you ever in a position where you were considering preparing a a, a paper for, uh, for a journal?
1: Well, like most projects that you do in school if you're getting a science degree are essentially like mock papers where you just write up the experiment you did the results and the results in the Conclusion mm-hmm. and discussion from there, but I, w- I was involved in a few papers after, after school, but I never produced one. I have no advanced degree, and if you have no advanced degree, then the sciences do not respect you. Mm. And if you have a master's, then the sciences don't respect you. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: also, uh, if you don't have a, an advanced degree, my grandfather wrote me respect you, so <laughs> I apologize. Um, I, won't, I won't relay to him specifically that you lack any sort of advanced degree.
1: Well, so it's interesting because I assume your grandfather doesn't respect you either, and you do have an advanced degree.
0: I do, yeah. Well, yeah. and it should be noted he doesn't have a degree. <laughs> so, or maybe he went back and going like in his fifties, but he did, he barely has a degree.
1: Well, he has several degrees of impatience.
0: Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's got ap- he has that yeah. good. Yeah, that's right on his CV. He put it on <laughs> <laughs> three pages. Yeah. Oh, Jeff. Jeff, what uh well what are you doing? What are you doing you, you know you did an interesting uh baseball related thing. Yeah? Uh and I, I like <clears throat> I think that I think the pace at which you work sometimes informs these projects and I know that um mm-hmm. when you were working with the
1: pitch comps, for example,
0: about yeah. which about which I uh I what did I
1: uh, chide you? Did I chide you? But I, give I don't you know. Is, what's the connotation of chide? Is that Negative or yeah, I don't you made know. An I think I gave. Did I give you the me business? Is it possible I gave you the business? You gave me. You gave me like just a partial business.
0: Yeah, uh, but but with uh, yes. Also, while simultaneously recognizing the fact that you are a uh, you are a content machine. Um, and uh, but the thing that was nice about that that right, is you got into that. I noticed you you did a, you had a, a couple pass uh, posts. Sorry, just over what the, both this week, I guess. Maybe dealing with the concept of command, uh-huh. attempting to maybe reach some sort of objective measure of command,
1: but yeah, recognizing it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it turns out it's really complicated.
0: Recognizing at the same time it's impossible.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. pretty much. I think maybe like the rule of thumb that you you want to use if you're trying to analyze command is okay. Look at a guy's stuff and look at his results, and if they match up, great. If if his results are better than you'd expect, he has good command. If they're worse than he doesn't and I think maybe you have to go with the whole overall umbrella approach instead of trying to analyze it pitch by pitch.
0: Yeah, well, it's probably one of those things, right, where it's like it requires you have to probably see a lot of pitches to, to start getting a sense for that. It's probably like seeing if a batter has good plate discipline, right? Like you really have to see a bunch of pitches, and it's one of the things that probably, as you're mentioning, probably shows up in the stat line, it's probably just easier to see in the stat line than it is to, like, see over the course of a start because you don't know if what you're seeing is representative of this guy, you know, over multiple appearances or whatever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, look at Steven Strasburg right now. I'm writing about him for, what's tomorrow, Thursday? Sure, yeah. Thursday. I have to write something. I don't know what I'm going to write yet, but he's, he's got an ERA over six, which is uh, that's a very high ERA for him. It's double what it usually is, and his stuff is fine. So here's what I know my conclusion is going to be. He's not locating right.
0: <laughs>
1: now, what does that mean? And you could, I, yeah, I, I could. That could be my whole post. That I could just say, "Hey, this is where these pitches are going. That's where he's gotten in trouble." But that, that's not satisfying anymore. I want to find some sort of deeper reason, but I don't know. I don't know what that is. I can't. I can't do a biomechanical analysis from home, you know. So I don't know what the problem is with Stephen Strasburg. But I'm going to bullshit my way through something,
0: I, and he'll um, see it
1: on Fangraphs Thursday morning.
0: I, uh, I do like. I mean, in in the true spirit of science. Um, that you are beginning with your conclusion, because that's exactly what you're supposed to. I believe that's that's how Newton himself wrote
1: it up, wasn't it? It's I I am aware of when that happens, uh, or at least when I think it's in the process of happening. But it's it's the damnedest thing to stop because with a lot of posts, especially when you're writing so often, you kind of you have your conclusion, or you at least are writing when you already know your conclusion, because seldom are you doing the work and writing as you go. Mm -hmm. Although that that is fun to do sometimes, and that's, I think, what, some time ago, like a week or two ago, I wrote a post about uh, pitches down the middle that were called balls this year. And Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, people love to see when umpires are wrong. And so I found these five candidate pitches right down the middle that were called balls, and I wanted to show them. And then as I looked up all five of them, they were all pitch effects errors, and in fact, none of them... Were real pitches, <laughs> except at that point I was like, "Well, it's late on a Thursday. I need to have this done." So I just wrote a post about it anyway. And I don't know. I don't think that's the thing that our editor in chief is looking for more of on the front page.
0: Yeah. Well. Uh. Right. But you find yourself. You've done the research, and then you get to the point where it's. Says are right. Well, this is what I have.
1: <laughs> yeah. So take it. This is ten percent of my weekly output. <laughs> and, hey, it's something. It's interesting because maybe this will remind people that, hey, there's errors in the data. That's mm-hmm. something we could use in a, a constant reminder yeah, of. Uh,
0: with regard to the command, I think that, that – that, did that first come about when you were trying to understand Michael Pineda better? Yeah. Right. My, uh, Michael Pineda is like he is – is he in, – in at least one way, he's a much different picture than he was in – 2011 when he was having his excellent rookie season. Uh huh. Uh, and yeah. I mean, he, then he was a hard throwing young right hander without a third pitch, really, who had, uh, control or command, however you want to say it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now he's, what, an average, he has basically average velocity at this point.
1: Yeah, his velocity is down quite a bit. He, I think he's starting to gain it back a little bit. He'll, you'll see him usually around 92 to 95.
0: Oh, okay. So he's yeah, because his, cause I think his his fastball now is it's record. It's, at least it's recorded at 91, 91.5, but maybe yeah, uh, it,
1: it's picked up. The last three starts he's been around 93.
0: Okay, so, uh, but that's still. I mean, it's still not the same. Right, but he's
1: although but he's, he is he's huge. Which is that it works in his favor. He's a huge man, Mm -hmm. and he gets a good amount of extension. I think StatCast did very briefly. They were looking at the extension that like Pineda and Jacob deGrom get, and uh, they had Pineda releasing the ball seven feet from the rubber, which, Mm -hmm. granted, we still didn't have enough to know how meaningful that is, but I think the, the rule of thumb is the extension tends to mirror height, and most pitchers are not seven feet tall. And so, in that sense, Michael Pineda seems to get good four extension. So his fastball plays up even more.
0: Right. Not that it. No, I mean, not that it has. It, not that it's really needed to. Uh, yeah. Right. Until, um, uh, of course, it's certainly helping him. Well, and that, and that sort of isn't that the uh, the thing that's helping uh, Jordan Walden when he's healthy, and then also uh, was it Carter Capps? Is it Carter, Carter Capps,
1: Capps? Yeah. Who leaps? Yeah. Imagine, imagine being in the box and and watching that because you. You know when something is is leaping toward you, it's kind of like the defense that you have whenever you're visiting someone else's cat. It's like you just you have to watch the cat and make sure it doesn't make a sudden move. Right. But imagine being a batter and how are you how do you get used to that? I think. Like I would I from, would
0: describe it. It would I would think it's irksome. Yeah. And you don't you don't typically want to be irked when you're batting.
1: No, absolutely not.
0: Right, because it's like Warren Spahn said, um, hitting is being not irked. And pitching is trying to irk.
1: It's be yeah. Pitching is irksome.
0: That old. It's oh, written right goal. on this headstone. Warren Spahn's headstone. That exact quote.
1: So. Cy Young irker. Um, but so what did you? So what do you? What, what
0: did you learn? What have you learned about command? Uh,
1: what did I learn about command? Or what did I learn about Michael Pineda's command? Because I think the uh, the Craig Kimbrell post. I don't really know. I didn't know where that was going to go. I See, even now, I don't know where that went. It just kind of became written, you know, and yeah. then published. And uh, and then that was that. I don't really know what I learned, except I think it was just 1,200 words of saying, hey, Craig Kimbrough's fine. Right. But with Pineda, I think I think there's evidence of improved command with Pineda, and then that would explain why his strikeout rate is like 50% higher than it was last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he doesn't walk anybody, because now he has a fastball that, when he came up, he was fastball slider, and that's all he was. Really good fastball, granted, and really good slider, but fastball slider. And then he went to the Yankees, and his fastball basically became a cutter. He changed his fastball, so now it doesn't move horizontally at all. And now he's added a changeup. So now he came up, and he was supposed to add a weapon against lefties, and now he kind of has two weapons against lefties, plus a slider, and he's he's throwing hard again. So he's got a lot working in his favor, but his, his location has always been fine. his now getting a little better, and the Mariners of Jesus Montero, who last night just drew his third walk of the season in A.
0: Uh, you know what you just said is uh, with regard to Pineda's fastball, that it doesn't move horizontally?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's an interesting concept, and it's one that uh, I was not necessarily – well, I don't know if you remember when you first uh, became in, uh, acquainted with PitchFX, mm-hmm. but it was uh, it was very instructive for me because it made me realize – like going just a normal fastball, it made me realize how much f- movement there is being imparted on a typical mm-hmm. fastball where you have – I don't know what the exact numbers are, but you frequently see like, in what five, six, seven, eight inches of, uh, quote unquote, rise, mm-hmm. which would be vertical movement relative to a spinless ball, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and then you also see quite a bit on a normal fastball. You see quite a bit of horizontal movement.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: maybe the same amount. I don't know. What, do you know what the averages
1: are? Do you have them off the top of your head? I can I can ballpark. Probably like. Six. Six inches or five inches for a four-seamer. You're looking at maybe eight to ten for a sinker or a two-seamer. Right. And, uh, yeah, and it's different for everybody. Well, it's not different for everybody. Most pitchers are very similar to one another. But right. so there's, and like, then, Garrett Richards throws that cutter, and Michael Pineda throws a fastball that's a cutter. Garrett Kozart throws a fastball that's a cutter. It's weird. but Was there,
0: like, it. Uh, and then, did it, is it Henry Mejia? Doesn't he throw something like that with a natural cut? One of the two... Um, th- there's the two hard-throwing M- Mets pitchers who came up about the same time. There's Henry Mejia, and then there's... Would
1: that be Montero?
0: Not, no, no, not Rafael uh-huh. Montero.
1: Right.
0: Uh, we'll get to it. I'll, I'll uh, root around for it. There are people who are probably, if not screaming it out loud, who are at least uh, smugly saying the name to, the, to their right. own heads right now. Yeah. And, well we uh, can't
1: hear you. We can't hear you, audience. You're,
0: well, they're right. The point is they are yeah. right and I'm wrong. Yuris <laughs> uh, Familia.
1: Yeah. Eurice
0: Familia and Henry Mejia. Uh-huh. I think it's reasonable that I get it wrong. But one of them has uh, some sort of natural, uh, natural cut. The point is um, there's that. Yes, there's that. The fact that you uh, – for me, at least, it was that I realized that there is a considerable movement on this. And then when you first see – I don't remember when you first saw this. You first saw the measurements attributed to a slider or cutter, as you're mentioning. And it – it plays in your mind a little bit because the way that it's recorded, it appears as though a pitch which you can see, which you watch and you say, yes, there is glove side, there's obvious glove side break on this pitch or there's mm-hmm. obvious like, um, uh, downward break, ver- downward vertical break on this pitch. And then you look at the pitch effects and it's like zero horizontal movement, zero vertical uh-huh. movement. And you say, that doesn't make sense to me uh that's what you say and uh-huh. but the reason is so the reason that it looks significant is because it's all in context of the fastball yeah which when you see the fastball you you're you're seeing that you're seeing that movement so relative to the fastball is 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 um where you see the movement but not necessarily yeah. uh on its own
1: it's funny that people, uh, I guess they still use, uh, still do, but they also used to refer to guys' fastballs as being like straight fastballs. And what a straight fastball was is basically like a four-seamer that had a lot of what we would see in pitch effects would be rise. Like the, the Rays have a bunch of these guys who throw quote-unquote straight fastballs, but they're so straight and they get so much rise that they're actually quite effective weapons because they're still – it's like they're – They're straighter almost than your average fastball, which means that you expect the fastball to go a little lower than it actually ends up because it's just so straight. But the long and short of it being, I think that the pitches people used to call straight fastballs are actually pretty effective fastballs if you throw them kind of up in the zone. And an actual straight fastball looks like an ordinary, unremarkable fastball that people wouldn't designate as a straight fastball. straight isn't straight, basically, with, with pitches and average fastballs. And everything, as you said, has to build around that that central sort of expectation of what the fastball is going to do. But did
0: it confuse you at first when you saw it?
1: Were you surprised when you first saw it? I I think I remember being confused by everything about PitchFX for about four years. Yeah. I I went to the first ever PitchFX conference. Uh, Matthew Carruth worked for interned with the Hardball Times, and he did some stuff for them. And in 2008, he was extended an invitation to go to the first ever PitchFX conference in San Francisco. And he asked me if I wanted to go along. And at that point, we'd only knew each other on the internet. We'd only met in person, I think, once briefly. But we went, and uh, that's where I w- met Harry Pavlidis and, and Mike Fast, and I doubt that they remember meeting me. Even I remember meeting them, even before they were like X superstars or, right. I guess, employees of, of a baseball team. And we went to a Giants game, and, and there were uh, team analysts there, and it would be a very interesting experience to revisit now because I think we we treated it very casually, at the time, we were we were over both mornings.
0: You'd be uh, you're thinking of maybe having a reunion of that that first uh, <laughs> conference. Is that what you're suggesting?
1: I think it would be interesting, not a reunion, because I'm not interested in a reunion of of those people. It was there were a lot of men, but if we could go back <laughs> and if I could experience that conference, but knowing of the people and of the system what I know now, then I would have been a lot more engaged than just sitting there thinking I don't know why I'm here, but there are donuts outside.
0: Was Dave Allen
1: there? Oh God, I don't I don't remember if Dave Allen was there. I know a Mariner's analyst was there who was also a Royals analyst. Matt Olkin was there. I remember at that point thinking, Oh my god, it's Matt Olkin. He's the guy who analyzes for the Mariners. oh that means he sucks. But I I don't remember who <laughs> else was there except there was one there was one woman and she was the organizer of the event. Okay. <laughs> uh
0: was she was she unimpressed?
1: I have to. I I can't crawl inside the head of women. Mm-hmm. I just wanna, uh, yeah, I don't just crawl inside anyone's point. head, by the way. <laughs> Unless you're extremely cold in in the tundra, but I I I can't crawl inside anyone's head, mm-hmm. uh, least of all women's. But I I could read based on the facial expression that there were. Any number of places she would have rather been, including but not limited to just the other side of the door in the same hotel, <laughs> just, just being in the hallway. Because <laughs> she had to be in there the whole time. What? Well, she was a doll. I don't. I don't know if there were subsequent PitchFX conferences, but the initial summit was a grand old time. Oh, was it? Was it a? Su- was it technically? Was it a summit? I don't know, but I got a jacket for it.
0: Does, does any of that say I,
1: summit? Uh, I believe it says conference, but it's somewhere in my closet. But conference is a long word to put on a little. Breast patch. Yeah. So maybe it's Summit.
0: Yeah. Well, that sounds uh, that sounds interesting. Uh, the uh, that first that first moment. I think I remember that. What, what year do you think that was?
1: 2008. It was. I remember walking around San Francisco after one of the days of the event, talking about drafting Steven Strasberg.
0: Um,
1: because he was dominating at SDSU.
0: And what were you saying about it?
1: Uh, the Mariners should do it.
0: But they didn't have the opportunity.
1: They didn't. So instead, they drafted. You know, basically you basically me basically you that's all Dustin Ackley is
0: oh well he's how do you
1: I got I I forgot I was gonna ask you a question how do you uh, introduce yourself if you if you are meeting somebody new which granted neither one of us does often as is internet writers but how do you explain what you do for a job
0: oh I do it poorly
1: yeah but what's your what's your keyword are you a writer an analyst a blogger
0: I recently, sometimes I say like, um, did you see the movie Moneyball? Um, and then I say, uh, we sort of do, I kind of write about that type of stuff. Uh huh. And, uh, people are like, oh, okay. And then they, uh, then, then they have no more questions. Unless they, unless they are, um, singularly interested in baseball, in which case they'll ask me my opinion on something about which I don't have an opinion. <laughs>
1: You mean like Major League Baseball?
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> they're like, oh, what do you think about those Red Sox this year? And I mean, really, the the answer that I give to everyone, how do you think about this team this year? I'm like, yeah, I guess you know they're pretty good. You know, I mean, unless the team's really bad, in
1: which case, well, you know, they're uh, they're probably gonna be good pretty soon. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. It's funny. It's you think when you say, oh, I, I write about baseball, I analyze baseball. You think that okay, this could be a conversation topic, and it's true. It can. It has broad appeal to men. Uh, generally speaking, and some women, but the questions, the conversations you will have with the average person are are so different than the things that we and I guess especially you write about on FanGraphs. So, like mm. if you can imagine what it would be like to run into by accident, like a FanGraphs reader, and have an actual informed conversation, there are so few of us. There uh, really
0: are so few. Well, I yeah. do know that that was. Uh, I think the last one of the. Uh, it's not a conference, nor was it a summit, uh, but it was a gathering, perhaps yeah. a low-key gathering. <laughs> I believe is the technical term um, utilized by America's Youth. Uh-huh. We it was at a bar in Chicago. Uh, I think maybe Eno Saris had arranged it somehow. Yeah,
1: that sounds familiar.
0: And um, no, it was a real pleasure to. Um, To speak with other to speak with Fangraphs readers and other writers, and I sense that those other same readers and writers enjoyed it because there is an entire layer. It's just it's for sake of it's for the ease, right? You don't have to explain to anyone there what you do or what your interests are, and there is just an ease of you can get right into the uh, the meat of the topic, or you don't have to talk about baseball at all, but you know that you have uh, this one thing in common.
1: Right, it's an instant bond that you share yeah. with those people, and and so it's good for community. I was I was recently I was trying to look up a hike that I was doing last weekend, and I I went to a a very prominent like local area hiking message board, and I was looking at somebody's pictures from a trip report that he recently did on a, on a hike I wanted to do, and then I clicked. I noticed in his trip report toward the end of it he included a picture of like the view from the top of the the hike mm-hmm. and in the foreground were four, four little my little pony statuettes and i thought well that's curious what's the story here and then i clicked on something else that he wrote in the same forum except it was in like the off topic section of the forum and i found out oh this is like a full blown brony i've never encountered a brony before i've never engaged with one i know about them because they're sort of the butt of jokes but it's a it's a subculture it's i think well known at least on the internet that these are people and i was looking at this post that he wrote and he was just like explanation and, and video after video and image after image and it was i don't it could have been 5000 words of just asking if hey does anybody else like my little pony and i remember sitting here in this chair and i've never felt more uncomfortable reading something on on the internet just wow like thinking this is so out there but then i thought i What I do is just this to him, like it's just a stupid interest that doesn't make any difference Mm -hmm. that there's a whole community around, but the whole community can't interact with other people about the same subject in the same way that it interacts with itself. So in a sense, we're no different than bronies. It's just that culturally our interest is regarded as a little more masculine. But is it really?
0: And Norm, normative. Uh, yeah, I would say that um, I was talking with a friend recently who uh, uh, sh- uh, she and her fiancé, they own a cat. And yeah. uh, they uh, are interested in cats. They want to know more about cats perhaps. But they're not, I would not say that they were um, um, unduly en- enthusiastic <laughs> about cats. They had, possess, a, I would say, a healthy enthusiasm uh-huh. regarding cats. But they decided, because uh, we don't live too far from Concord, New Hampshire – and the, um, the arena, the Everett Arena in Concord, New Hampshire, was hosting some manner of cat show. Oh. And I think they were <laughs> – this intrigued them be, f- for no other reason. There's not a lot to do in the region, okay? So the cat show, that's a big deal. So they drove down there to Concord, and they went there. <clears throat> and here is what they found was that there were a lot of people there who were very excited about cats, and who were very – with very serious intentions and looks on their faces were walking around uh, uh, at at a pace faster than normal with uh, cats – with cats that looked silly that yeah. were there to be shown. And I was thinking about this and uh, how nice it would be because I don't – because you, you mentioned this is a thing we think about often. I think that's true, but I would not say that I am – and you see this on like CVs like this mm-hmm. all the time. I'm passionate about this, or like on a cover letter, you have to tell someone you're passionate about <laughs> it. I'm not passionate I'm not passionate about it. it. does that make sense That's not I don't want to understate my my interest in the in the sport or the mm-hmm. thought exercises it it uh, facilitates. However, mm-hmm. I would not say that I'm passionate about it. In fact, I would say I'm passionate about zero things.
1: I was that was going to be my follow up question. Is do you consider yourself passionate about anything? No, we can
0: get to that in a second. And I'm interested. Yeah. Now I'm interested in you. But these people at the cat show were passionate. Yeah. Their passion yeah. was cat shows, cats, and cat yeah. grooming, and cat health, and cat beauty. I guess cat beauty. And uh, and I was thinking on the one hand, you know, if you're doing that and you're dedicating so much time and energy to it, that is. Manifestly silly. You are absurd, but mm-hmm. at the same time, um, uh, you are so invested in it, and you know, so, so, a part of you is such a, so invested in it that you don't. So you certainly don't care what, what some jamoke like me thinks. And you, this is something that provides real meaning to your life. And I, uh, so on those grounds, I am um, absolutely jealous.
1: Someone, yeah, I think do f- feel passion, passion to a certain degree is enviable, mm-hmm. or, uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but it gets the right idea across. If you meet, so, uh, the other day, not the other day, a couple weekends ago, I went, uh, rafting over waterfalls for the first time, but I was there, I was out of town for a friend's birthday party, and he rented, like, an Airbnb house, and, and we had some activities by day, and then we hung out at night. What kind of way? So, wh- and,
0: how big a waterfall, first of all?
1: Uh, like, I don't know, eight or ten feet. Uh, it was. I got my first ever black eye that day. I've never had one before, but hmm. rafting can be dangerous. Yeah, I, uh, um, I've never
0: seen it. It never has appealed to me, given all the videos I've watched of it,
1: where it's like, oh, we're going over. Sorry, guys. It was a thrill when we went over the waterfall. We had all this preparation, and then it was like, okay, we're going to paddle really fast into the waterfall, and then we're going to immediately, on the lip of it, duck into the boat, we're going to go down. We're going to emerge on the other side. If we do this all according to plan, it's going to be fine. It's no big deal. It's just water, right? We can go over this waterfall. The rocks are over there. We're going to be fine. And the thrill of it on the other end was uh, was getting over the waterfall and coming back to uh, level water and being, and just recognizing I am still alive <laughs> in this raft. We did it. My accomplishment is that we did not die or become disabled Going over that waterfall, which was an entirely unnecessary pursuit, but it was Exactly, fun. exactly. It's not like Nazis came to your village and you
0: survived. It's like you <laughs> put yourself into into the water, dangerous water, and then you and you and you survived.
1: There's a big community of people apparently. Like the the target word for Pacific Northwest online daters is kayaking. Like mm-hmm. that is the buzzword that is most distinctive about people who online date in the Northwest. There are a ton of kayakers and rafters and mountain bikers and rock climbers and trail runners and and all these activities that are varying degrees of extreme, certainly outdoorsy, and there's eco, elements eco of jocks. danger.
0: Eco jocks.
1: Yeah, eco jocks, I suppose you could say. Yeah. And, and so much of it seems to be that the thrill is not dying when you <laughs> do what you – mountain climbing would be another one where you, you do you what do? you want to do. Yeah, well, it's – it's fun. It's making. It's just manufacturing danger because everybody up here is sufficiently privileged that there's no stress or strain really in the day to day life. And so this is no different than just like all those. Uh, the explanation for why so many rich people from Los Angeles go try to climb Mount Everest because they have nothing to worry about mm-hmm. during the day. They have to find danger. It's the same reason they invent diseases. Like, oh, I'm gluten intolerant. No, you're not. But you're just trying to make something up because you want to have some sort of stress in your life because we kind of need it. In some ways, but in any case, yeah, all right, all right, yeah. uh, I was, after the after the rafting, I got my black eye because uh, people in the back of the raft got flung onto my head. I was talking to the person who owns the raft, uh, and he is he's roughly my age, a little bit older, and he's working on a, a film, a documentary, where he is going to uh, intentionally default on his student loans and then uh, document what happens and uh the idea being that the student loan industry is bananas, to use the terminology of your most recent post. Mm. Uh, you also could not acquire enough bananas to match the quantity of bananas <laughs> possessed by the student loan industry. Anyway, I, d- I don't know a whole lot about the student loan industry myself, but listening to the man discuss the uh, – essentially re- referring to the companies as evil – and discuss uh, why he is doing this project, why it's so valid, the difference he hopes to make, all the different people he's going to talk to about why the process is broken. He was he was coming across with such fiery passion talking to me that I, even though I didn't really care about his project, I was I don't know almost impressed and in I was certainly floored in that I was I was very interested just to listen to him and not as much listen to him but observe him. In the way that he cared so deeply about what he was discussing. And I, I realized then I also don't have anything that I think I could talk about like that. And I don't know, maybe in some ways it's blinding because where there's passion, there's emotion, and where there's emotion, there's there's subjectivity. But certainly it would be nice to be able to turn it on.
0: <laughs> he sounded like, uh, uh, is that dangerous for a second? Is <laughs> that where, where there's passion? There's emotion. And when there's emotion there's subject to I mean you sound like a like a stoic like a stoic philosopher slash distant father. Distant German father.
1: I think this is maybe one of the reasons that uh I can I can handle this job and do decently well as a baseball analyst because at this point I don't really give a shit about any of the teams. So like I'm not blinded by any sort of biases.
0: Right. Well I think that so, like, naturally
1: happens. I mean one of the things I was thinking was
0: Um, Yeah, like with regard to see that's the thing is like I enjoy I enjoy I certainly enjoy like essentially like you know when you when you think about baseball a lot like when you think about many things you have you you uh, you acquire a certain fluency in it right Mm -hmm. Um, and it's you know like my wife speaks French very well for example. I speak it poorly. Mm-hmm. However, she speaks baseball very poorly, and I think I could speak it decently, and as mm-hmm. you do obviously. Um, uh, but it's like it's almost like a language that I, that for me at least, that I'm ashamed to know.
1: And when people <laughs>
0: like want to talk about it, like, what do you do? And I'm just like, all I could say is like, no, I don't, uh, no, because wh- if I explain to you what I do, this goes back to that originally, originally. Yeah, I'm going to be ashamed of myself. What I hear when I hear the things the thing it is that I do I'm going to feel a little bit of shame, yeah, you know, not that, I mean people do lots of things for money, so that's not crazy mm-hmm. but um, but it is just yeah, just like the I just always feel like a little bit embarrassed that I do that I know the amount whereas there are things perhaps um, like maybe student loans where the more you know then you want to share that and help people people maybe feel. Um, put upon by uh, student loans, and maybe, uh, or maybe a little intimidated by the the process, either whether it's the taking out of the loan or the paying back of the loan, certainly can be intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, and then the what you share with them can empower them and help mm-hmm. them, perhaps, feel oh, well. Other people are going through this, so I'm not so alone.
1: Yeah, there are millions of people in this country touched by the student loan process, still paying off <laughs> debts, or or maybe not understanding. What advantages there are to the system that they can pursue, but something like what we do is—it is entirely frivolous. It is mm-hmm. frivolous for everybody who cares, even the most about baseball. It's frivolous almost to the people involved in the baseball industry. Right. I think they—they they realize they recognize that, like, hey, yeah. yeah, hopefully, hopefully the whole population doesn't like look down all of a sudden like, and then <laughs> realize, oh, we don't. Why are we giving all this money and attention to sports? <clears throat> I will say,
0: I think that useless things absolutely have a purpose. Um, yeah, I think that because I think that useless things are nice because they are uh, they they have a quality, and I'm not saying purity like entirely clean, but you when you you can reduce them to a certain number of variables, right? Whereas in real life, it allows you to practice with certain ideas. We, I think we've discussed
1: this before. Well, here, you can, here, and sorry, I'm yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Well, then I know this is will appeal to you. You've thought the same, but something I was thinking uh, along. Similar lines, and this is a, I think, cliche explanation, but the function of, of sports, and for example, this podcast to me is I was, I made lunch before this podcast, mm-hmm. and I, I made a sandwich and some stuff on the side of the sandwich, and I was carrying it back to, to my desk, and as I was walking to my little apartment office, uh, I realized, oh, I'm gonna die. <laughs> like, i'm going to become a dead person yeah and it's out of my control for the most part i don't know when it's going to happen but at some point this is over yeah and and then it's like oh but i have to eat this fast because i have to podcast with Carson, and that kind of whipped me out of what would have been just a spiral of of me sitting in my own hallway right. i guess it's not a spiral it's a stationary image of me sitting in my own hallway thinking i'm going uh, to die. emotional going to spiral
0: die. emotional spiral yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Sorry about that. Ex- existential <laughs> spiral. The uh, I would do want to make a point, a slightly lighter point, but um, to your um, your friend or your acquaintance who was t- uh, talking with um, such feeling about uh, student loans. I did have a student loan, and mm-hmm. um, I went to grad school, but I, apparently because I had taken a year or two off in between somehow, or I because I took it a year off and then finished my undergraduate at a different college from and I, one at which I did not need loans. And then mm-hmm. when I eventually went to grad school, they kept calling me and I would I would say – because I, I was put into collections. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, I don't ha- – I am in creative writing <laughs> graduate school. Could you, could, could you get – could you conceive of another field in which I would have less money right now, <laughs> right? And uh, they were like, well, we're not impressed. You can ask for a deferral. Maybe I deferred it once or twice, but eventually I can't. I ran out of deferrals. And they called me one morning like – 8 or 8.30, and because I was in, uh, poetry graduate school, I was not awake yet. So they woke me up. <laughs> I started talking. And <clears throat> this place, it was the collections agency. They were like, they weren't just like, oh, like, we need your payment. They were like, re- they have like in a whole, like a whole emotional, uh, roller coaster in which they're prepared to bring you. Like, like, this guy was saying like, oh, you went to Columbia. Like, don't you feel, this is what he said. He said, don't you feel like you owe it to them to re- the, to repay them after they gave you so much, and it's funny because clearly they don't have all of the information because mm-hmm. um, I dropped out after barely <laughs> surviving for two <laughs> years academically, and so I was like, well, f-, I mean, I told, her, I like, I didn't. It's not like <laughs> we didn't we didn't benefit from each other at all. In fact, we, <laughs> it was an amicable breakup. Uh, and they're glad I'm gone. But yeah, they really lay into you emotionally. They're like, don't you? There was like a lot of there was like a moral imperative that I'd be paying them wow. back. But I've also heard stories where if you uh, if you know you keep you remain in collections, it'll f your debt over a little bit. You know your um, your credit. But um, eventually, I think they'll bring you collections, and you can go to like a court, and uh, they just don't they don't show up, and then you're absolved. Oh. I think there might be ways to game the system, is what I'm saying. Interesting. Yeah, not game necessarily, but it's like at a certain point you're. Guy at school. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know what, what all the ramifications are, but it'd be funny if this guy. It would be funny. It would be. It would be like. It'd be like that Jeff Sullivan post where you made the gifts and you're like, <laughs> oh, well, all right. Um, <laughs> it would be if if he just did this. He just went to collections, and they were like, all right. Uh, well, you need to pay and he's like no I don't want to pay and then they send him a court date and he went and they didn't and then it was over
1: <laughs> and he's like oh was, I
0: guess I didn't have to pay my student loans
1: that would be a, a pretty I think significant documentary if you were to film it and then show people how they might be able to also game the system and mm-hmm. although at that point then the loan people would start showing up in court
0: yeah they'd, ha- ah, they'd have you you was yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll
1: tell you that, about that guy who's speaking with so much passion he's spoken with the most passion of anyone I've, I've conversated with recently uh i think that maybe based on that example that the the quality that allows one to possess passion uh it comes with other side effects Mm -hmm. and among them being that the same individual was really into drugs and Mm -hmm. he seemed to be a uh a moderate level let's call it a a 60 grade believer in certain conspiracy theories and he did not deny believing in the chemtrails government spraying idea so i think that maybe maybe if you could isolate just being passionate about some, about some things that would be of use but if you consider what all comes with the passion package then maybe <laughs> maybe it's better to just be uh, more cold and distant and calculated
0: yeah you th- you think that it's um you think that it's hard to h- to probably to maybe possess that that aspect of it just exclusively.
1: I think it would it yeah, it's got symptoms.
0: Right. So either you feel things you feel things deeply but you're you're sort of forced by your brain say to feel a lot of things deeply um and you sort of you seek out and are excited by narratives regardless of whatever grounding they might have in reality. And then the other one is you you see that everything is hollow um but because of that then you're able to to re- review things more with a more critical eye when
1: do you feel
0: when do i feel when uh, do you feel i will tell you uh <clears throat> i do watch the program as many people do uh last week tonight with john oliver uh uh-huh. and i think that show has done a pretty good job of um, because it has like this more space than, than The Daily Show does to uh, examine topics.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they did one recently with regard to parental leave, uh, like maternal or paternal
1: leave. Yeah. Did you see this? Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I know about it.
0: You know, right. Yeah, you know about it. And you know that uh, that it's not – I guess it's. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of it like this, but it's apparently in this country relative to many first world countries, uh, it's rather poor. Yes. Yeah. And I guess, uh, that maybe, yes, perhaps that made me feel. I mean, those, those that, sort, that show was designed to cultivate, um, outrage a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I would say construct, somewhat constructive outrage. hmm. Um, but, uh, I, yes, it did, it, and it worked on me successfully. I said, this is ridiculous. I said, mm-hmm. uh, yes um economic development is, is probably important and probably helps more, helps more than it hurts mm-hmm. but you can't you can't just work all the time and what's the point of working all the time you know and uh i said to my wife i said should we move to some place that's just basically free to live you know and then the conversation kind of devolved a little bit
1: yeah yeah
0: and then it well, was <laughs> We had to do the dishes after dinner, so. Now
1: we're, now we're right back to feeling irked, not unlike hitters, but so, when do you feel, so that, that's when you would say maybe you felt, the frustrated isn't the right word, but aggravated by, by the system at play. When do you feel happy? And when do you feel upset? Happy,
0: most happy when I am, um, uh, drinking. Mm-hmm. amongst a small group of people whose um who i think are i have a, who have some facility with language and are either in i in, in are in are at the same level or better than me at, in that sort of thing i was going to say witty but it sounds like a real it sounds like a real turd move
1: <laughs> you know
0: but let's say that i value uh linguistic facility right uh-huh. i value people who are who are quick with thoughts I like that. Uh-huh. I, like it, I like it a lot. And uh, I like to be surrounded by people who are, are talented at that, regardless of my skills at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I'm drinking, but to that, in that point where you're not entirely sober, but you're also not in a zone where you're definitely going to get a hangover either.
1: Right. Yeah, you just that's, kind of left the self-consciousness behind.
0: <laughs> yes. I also enjoy the company of people, and this is I find that this is an overlapping group, who um, take some pleasure – uh, derive some pleasure from their weaknesses and how silly they are as people. So that, I think that would qualify you immediately, Jeff Sullivan, because you recognize <laughs> yeah. what what an absurd person you are. I
1: uh-huh. think just riddled with vulnerabilities.
0: Yeah, right. And just they're like, oh man, I'm so uh, so weak. Um, yeah. So I think that I think that's that's it. Um, <clears throat> I was talking with someone recently, Jeff, who um, is a, a young woman who. Uh, I was she was doing teach for America, mm-hmm. and I and I said, oh, like, what are your qualifications for that? And she was making a point to the effect that um, her uh, she knew a lot about the particular subject she'd be teaching. Uh, she had worked with people before, um, uh, you know. she worked had a job already, and she'd worked with people people who were under her essentially, it, you know, they're sort of reported to her, and those were her qualifications for this. And um, on the one hand, that's that's fine, right? But you know, Teach for America, and whether it's there are pros and cons to that program. But she's going to be working in a school district that's probably tougher than average, right? That's mm-hmm. the whole point. Um, and I think that none of the things that she mentioned are going to qualify her, because basically it's just going to be a survival thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I could be wrong. I could absolutely be wrong. But I thought a, the most endearing possible response would be, you know, if I said, what, "What's going to qualify you for that?" If she had said, "Oh, nothing, nothing that I've done ever is going to call my fear what's about to come," just to admit that you are ill prepared for whatever challenges are awaiting you, yeah, that that's most appealing to me. But what All about right. you, Jeff? Let's uh, let's let's turn to you. Let's let's turn to Jeff Sullivan. <laughs> is there anything that makes you happy, Jeff?
1: Okay. Well, uh, this is the other the other morning. I was leaving uh, my girlfriend's place and coming back across town, and I was walking to. My car, this is probably around 7.30 or 8 in the morning on some weekday, and I was walking to my car uh, not far from where you used to live, in Portland, Oregon, but we don't need to go over that again, yeah. just just off Division Street. Okay, and sure. I was walking to my car, and it's spring. We've had a lovely spring. We Are had a you lovely... living
0: further north than you used to now? Is that the idea? Still,
1: no- still northwest.
0: Oh, still northwest. Yeah, okay. Never I'm still there.
1: northwest. Keep she, going. Uh, Keep she's, going. She's somewhere else. But I was walking to my car, and I was I was walking to my car, and I looked to my left, and I saw there was a squirrel who was kind of, uh, hanging out just below a tree had something in his paws and then i looked uh to my right and there was another squirrel who had like a slightly bigger nut or fruit or something that he was he had in his mouth <laughs> and his paws and then i looked in front of my car and there was a squirrel in there and Whoa. there were two more squirrels to the i don't know like 10 o'clock who were like scampering with each other and you you know how squirrels run they like bounce kind of they they leap they frolic in, like in a it, they they kind of frolic and and leap in an adorable way. Like, I I saw a baby deer over the weekend, and it it was hopping. It was straight-up hopping like a cartoon bunny.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Totally with you. But I was watching squirrels just scamper all over this little cul-de-sac, and as, like, I, I got my keys out, I put my key in my door, and I turned it, and then I just couldn't go in the car because I just had to stand there for probably, like, four minutes just watching these squirrels with the stupidest grin on my face because even though I know some people consider squirrels a nuisance, and I don't have a garden, so I don't have to put up with that, they're just... So cute. It's yeah. just a cute animal to yeah, watch. Adorable. Yeah. I would be heartbroken if I ran one over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's true. I agree. That, um, um, my wife and I, um, during the winter, we <clears throat> we went to a uh, – we tried out at a local Unitarian church, mm-hmm. Unitarian Universalist church, just to see, because mm-hmm. uh, I always have think maybe uh, maybe – I'm ready to enrich my spiritual life. Maybe we're ready to participate in spiritual life. Um, and there was one comment, I forget, uh, during the service, though, that we were um, that we were going to be thankful or something for all of the critters of the earth. And I thought <laughs> that is a thing for which you should be thankful. Because the word critter is great. And just thinking of all the critters of the earth, <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah, like all those little squirrels. Yeah, they silly little uh, nuts. Yeah I, think, yeah, I think it's adorable. I'm I'm totally,
1: uh, I'm totally yeah. on board with what you're saying. I mean, you you might have you might be familiar with puppy therapy. Have you heard of that?
0: Uh, yeah, that's a, yeah yeah it sounds familiar. Is yeah. It just when you. I think it's
1: with... you just hang out with puppies when you're sad. Well, that's... yeah, and
0: I have a do- I've had a dog now since uh, September August September, and oh. that yes that she makes me happy except when she's a pain in the ass.
1: Yeah, which yeah sometimes they are, but just yeah. if you if you can surround yourself with at least one but preferably several adorable animals this is really that's it that's oops that's the cure that's not well that's not the cure i shouldn't say that that doesn't that doesn't relieve you of of your burdens of the world but it does temporarily lessen the weight
0: no but having a pet is is a good move especially so because it gives you a certain amount of responsibility or you know uh, obligation to something that's um even more helpless than you are. And so you have to, you know, tend to it and nurture it. But it's not like, like you can still leave a dog at home. You know what I mean? You can go mm-hmm. out and leave your dog at home and you don't get arrested for that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like with a baby, that's serious. You can't do that. You can't leave a baby at home alone.
1: No, you really can't.
0: No. Frowned upon. At the very least, it's frowned upon.
1: You certainly, it would actually be safer to leave it in another home. Yeah, right. If there are adults there, yeah, yeah, that's a good point.
0: Uh, did, did we talk about your passions? Did you mention any? Pa- Do you have pa- no? I think we said. That you well, didn't. so
1: I, yeah, I was asking you about that because I feel like we would probably be pretty similar. But I can't think of many things that I speak passionately about or feel passionately about. And I can, I know enough to be able to mimic passion. Mm-hmm. And every so often, every so often, there's like a, I don't know, a work thing that might rile me up in a way where like. Other people get to complain about work in a way that I usually don't, because like I don't interact with people who are annoying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but every so often, there's just a little thing that I feel. I feel really good when I get to vent about something that someone else can relate to, because mm-hmm. otherwise it's like, well, I couldn't find any sh- to write about in baseball today. You <laughs> know, like no one else can. No one else knows what it is to search through like baseball savant or the fan graphs leader. leaderboards and be like, I don't see anything more than. This guy has a lower first pitch strike rate or something, and that's just not interesting. But nice. it's like a is that a proxy work- for command? It's it's part of a larger picture.
0: I mean, it, uh, first pitch strike rate and walk rate don't they correlate pretty strongly? I mean, reasonably strongly.
1: Yeah, I think so. You can get into some trouble with like walk rate because you can have guys who don't walk anybody but who don't have very good command because there are strikes and there are bad strikes, or I guess you could say strikes and good strikes. Sure. And an example that would always come to my mind would be uh, Erasmo Ramirez or even Hector Noesi, where these are just Mariners examples, but they were guys who were mostly strike throwers, except that they were bad strike throwers. And so they could they could frequently get ahead. And Phil Hughes kind of had this problem in New York, and that's a better example because he, he threw a ton of strikes, but he also threw a ton of like really long strikes that were also like hits and home runs. And so command is more than walks, but obviously no one with a bad walk rate is going to be said to have good command, except maybe uh, later career Tom Glavin, right? Because he walked guys, but that's because he couldn't afford to go over the plate because his pitches were terrible. Right. Yeah. So,
0: <clears throat> right. So sometimes walks could be could be a result of command. Yeah. Because you sometimes. realize that if you threw to certain batters, then you would uh, you would the uh, consequences would be would be yeah. worse.
1: Like, uh, if you think of, I don't know, prime Carlos Silver, remember that one year where he walked like nine guys? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I don't think his command was very good that year. I think he just happened to throw a lot of strikes. But he could throw
0: a strike. He threw a lot of strikes regardless.
1: Uh, he, he threw nothing but strikes.
0: Yeah. Uh. But it's right. It's tough. It would probably have to be some combination. Well, it's, uh, it's hard. Yeah, it would be hard. Because I think zone rate and walk rate don't actually correlate that strongly at all.
1: No, because there's a lot of catcher influence there and and some other stuff. And uh, uh, I think it really is, I think, just a matter of you look at the stuff, you look at the results, and you see how they match up. But you kind of need more more than one season of information to do that. Mm -hmm. But, like, you think of, I don't know, like, think of Cliff Lee, I guess. He didn't have an overpowering fastball. He didn't have, like, eye-popping pitches, but he was amazing nevertheless. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, yeah, okay, that's because he had amazing command. Or you look at Greg Maddox, same thing. Or... Mariano Rivera threw one pitch. Do you think thing? you could
0: somehow look at, again, this is just all trying to, to understand this uh, numerically, quantitatively. If you looked at strikeout and walk rate relative to velocity, mm-hmm. like if you said, this this guy, uh, so, sorry, strikeout and walk rate differential, right? Mm-hmm. And you said, uh, well, he's got, he, you could say, so if a if guy has strikeout, uh, league average differential, league average velocity, you can perhaps conclude league you know relatively average command mm-hmm. but if he has uh excellent like very high velocity but uh league average differential or worse then you could say well he's good he's blessed with great arm speed but his command is not that great of course it could yeah. also mean that he just doesn't have very good secondary pitches or something
1: yeah and then you'll have like i don't know the Tony Singrani thing right where he he only has the, the one fastball, and and you'll have guys who have, like, a good changeup or really good secondary stuff. And granted, command influences secondary stuff as well, and those pitches are a lot more difficult to command. But uh, I think you're on the right track, but it requires more development, and it's a project that I think I'm probably never going to pursue. I'll just kind of yeah. allude, allude to it in, in posts and conversation, like, hey, this is something that could be done. And I'll what just about if you it.
0: looked at, on counts, excluding O counts, maybe, and excluding 30 counts? Mm-hmm. If you looked at the proximity of pitches uh, to the corners of the to the edges of the strike zone,
1: yeah, and, and Bill Petty and Jeff Zimmerman, right? They've studied edge, and so they, oh, yeah, I think, great. edge has uh, a good amount of of promise. It's not perfect, but I think it works well. Unfortunately, I think what you see is that there are very small differences, so you kind of want a, a better way to focus in on them. But yeah, I think. Generally speaking, except for when you're trying to steal a strike, like you don't want to throw pitches down the middle, uh, unless you're all the shaman, it doesn't matter. I guess it but, doesn't
0: matter, right?
1: Yeah. There's just, there's so much that goes into it that at this point, I'm comfortable just kind of taking it on a case-by-case basis.
0: Have you ever, have you ever uttered the, the term, her phrase, uh, grip it
1: and rip it? No, no, not that I can actually recall. <laughs> I've, I've said, uh, rise and grind, but that was ironic, but never... Never grip and rip it, yeah, I'm just wondering, yeah, most of those things that they tell you in high school, baseball I never said,
0: grip it, did they say that in high school, yeah we uh, yeah, I was't good, all right, we weren't like like we were fine at baseball, but it wasn't like we weren't like, well, of course, you grew up in the San Diego area, this uh-huh. different atmosphere where we uh, where we were I was like yeah, you knock you guys aren't going to be pro. <laughs>
1: Grip it and swing. Grip it, yeah. swing
0: it. Try your best, I guess. <laughs> I mean, we were, you know, we had at least a 500 record, if not better. But it's just the uh, the abiding ethic was a little different. It wasn't yeah. like you're not going anywhere.
1: It'd be more like grip it, the but no, gri- <laughs> no, grip it the other way, the other hand above yeah. the other. way. Okay, good. There you go. Yeah, grip now it, you've
0: gripped it. Grip it, it and uh, when you let it go, make sure it doesn't hit anyone else, because <laughs> that person's probably going to be. A professional in some other field and we don't want them to have to deal with brain damage from a fluke baseball injury
1: or or don't you no we don't no you don't oh, well, well why would we you do? want that i don't know i don't know i honestly don't know what i would be doing if it weren't for being crippled <laughs> oh yeah that's right you
0: have uh what you you have brain damage yeah
1: yeah a whole lot of it
0: hmm. were you like this before
1: well, who's to say, right? Because it happened when I was 16 years old, so I don't really know what I was going to become You had know, this is a period of such rapid transition anyway. I was a tall, left-handed white man. Boy, I was a boy. Yeah. But I don't... I think I was already weird. Like, I remember in freshman geometry class, and friends and I would always wear green shirts and Mardi Gras beads. So that was, like, already kind of the foundation divide, but... Did you have to do I anything don't...
0: you didn't want to do to get those beads, Jeff? Uh, is
1: this
0: a... Uh... It was uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah to be fair,
0: to be fair, it was uncomfortable before though too.
1: Actually, uh, I because I grew up in New Orleans, my parents and I and my brother would go to Mardi Gras and we would get beads because there there's beads everywhere, so we right. would just like take a bucket or a bag and and get them. But I was only in New Orleans up until the age of five, and so I had a very different Mardi Gras experience from literally everybody else who has <laughs> an adult memory of Mardi Gras. To me, it was just wholesome. People were in a good mood. I had no idea it was an alcoholic event. Yeah. yeah. You
0: you lived in New Orleans, huh? Huh. do you uh, do you have any uh, ties still to the area?
1: And uh, there's still people that I I know, and there's like my my mom and stepdad just went back to visit, and so they visited like my the people who run my preschool that I went to, or like some military friends of my mom. But aside from the uh, the base where I grew up and where my dad's memorial is, there's no uh, I have no physical or real emotional tie to it right. anymore our, our, my childhood at home is now part of a gated community instead of being on a military base which is a different sort of gated community
0: yeah it is the, um, uh, New, the New Orleans what, AAA baseball team might have one of the most incongruous uh, unlikely names uh-huh. uh huh I assume you know what it is
1: uh, is it still Zephyr
0: yeah it's still Zephyrs and it's, it's Zephyrs because it moved from Colorado where there are literal Zephyrs which is a, what a strong wind right well,
1: actually, uh, okay. oh. I, I just had to confirm because I I knew it was some kind of wind, but it's actually a soft, gentle breeze. Oh, it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it, which it, is actually it, it, fitting. To what? To New Orleans.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but do well, you ever hear people talking the, about, "Whoa, we're in New Orleans. You got to f- that was zephyrus. You're always watching out for them. Well, okay, but I think the the thing about going anywhere is you'll never talk about. Oh yeah, look out for the soft, gentle breeze. <laughs> it's never it's, a, it's never like the defining or distinguishing characteristic of a place. Like the air moves gently,
0: yeah, but uh right yes uh bec- so the thing is, there are so many unique qualities um present in new orleans it is yeah. it is surprising that the one that that a any team would choose to uh you know advertise
1: essentially choose to celebrate is the light breeze. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's clearly a great word, and it's. uh It sounds fun. It's mm-hmm. fun to observe. It's got a Z and a Y. Right. But yeah, it's if you think of what it actually is, it's like the anti mascot. It's like we're going to name ourselves after nothing. Yeah. But and that's. But it, do you,
0: I? I. It, it reminded me that there are some, of course, relocation. This happens, but that's how we got the. Mm-hmm. That's how we got the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a team that moved from New Orleans.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To Utah, and then of course the other. I think. Certainly one Lakers. of the most famous example, right? It's the Lakers, right? Um, but do, can you think of any other notable examples?
1: Uh, where did the Clippers move from? Was that a thing?
0: I don't know. Well, uh, there the Clippers—that's a type of ship, right? Yeah. Is that is that what it's what they're named after?
1: I I assume that's the thing they're mm-hmm. named after. Well, let's see. There was well the so the it would be funny if the Quebec Nordiques kept the Nordiques they moved to Colorado but they didn't they yeah. went yeah. American.
0: Uh, it so looks like one. maybe they start off as the Buffalo Braves, right? And then they were the San Diego Clippers, uh, and then uh, which is what? The city is known for great sailing ships, right? City is known huh? for great sailing ships. La, uh, Los Angeles is less well known for that.
1: Well, let's see. Were there any Rams in? There weren't any Rams in Los Angeles, but there certainly aren't any Rams in St. Louis.
0: Uh, no, no, no. I think oh. a Ram is just uh, you. You want to embody the fighting spirit of yeah. a ram.
1: Yeah, and yeah. as opposed to embodying the fighting spirit of a soft, gentle breeze. <laughs> is it really soft? It's it's a soft, a soft, th- gentle breeze. So if you think it would be an interesting post for, I guess, unfortunately not graphs, but yeah. to just I know there's the whole George Carlin bit about like how football is militaristic and baseball is the opposite of that, but to just go through all the different baseball team names and identify all the ones that are named after like wind or socks or, or some other sort of just completely non-threatening entity where you couldn't have, I, this is maybe an overstatement because I can't think of all the football mascots off the top of my head, but you couldn't have a football team named after wind, certainly not of, of the soft gentle variety. You could have like the, the monsoon, I guess if they're a, a subcontinent football team that wouldn't make any sense. You get a well. There's let's see. There's a hurricane. The hurricane is basically wind, and that's a hockey team. So that, that's sensible, right? It's also the uh, mascot for uh, uh, know, Miami. Yeah,
0: for Miami, right? You were Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I wonder if we uh, let's see if we look at the teams in the NFL currently. Uh, what do you think is the the most the mo the least intimidating the least intimidating team? Name, uh, uh, in football? Yeah. I mean, a Patriot, I bet it's like a fight, it, you know, it's like a militaristic reference, I suppose. Um, I mean, Texans are f- horribly frightening.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, uh,
0: Packer, Packer has sort of like a blue collar strength to it. Yeah? Right? Just like a Steeler. And then, I mean, uh, dolphins. I guess dolphins are they scary?
1: <laughs> they impregnate Brazilian women. I know that. That's tr- that that is true. That's going to be a problem at the Olympics. <laughs> I think. Well, so who are who are the Cleveland Browns named after? Or what are oh, they? named is after? it a Jim?
0: Is it Jim Brown? Are they named after Jim I, Brown?
1: I feel I don't. I honestly don't know where the Cleveland Browns came from. Maybe it's a Civil War thing. Yeah, but there That's are really, Yeah, point.
0: yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't
1: no, know. would it be Saints? Saints aren't very intimidating.
0: No, it's true got uh yeah, we got Go it. we're I think we're done, I think we're done.
1: you fulfilled my obligation,
0: yeah, I think you fulfilled your obligation
1: yeah yeah that's all right i don't I don't think I have much uh, much else to do you have any idea what's wrong with Steven Strasberg uh
0: let me make <clears throat> let me make a strong, passionate conclusion about that <laughs> uh merely by gazing upon his stat line
1: uh-huh um, well, he's not really checking people out. Rel- yeah, yeah, that is point number one. Relative to what he has
0: before, have you looked at the individual? Uh, I assume you have the individual like swinging strike rates on his pitches.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at everything.
0: Wait, what, what's the deal? What what is it on his swinging
1: strike rates? What's going on? Well, so what, what I'm observing is that his pitches are worse, and so his results <laughs> across are across the worse. board. Across <laughs> the board. Well, so I'm I'm curious right, right now about him. Uh, so interestingly, he's still getting ahead of hitters, Steph, he has, he's pitching ahead more often than he ever has in his career, He is mm. his strike rate is great, his, his pitch rate of being ahead in the count is great his contact rate is much worse, which is interesting, and so I'm I'm curious about why that might be, and I, I am now looking at his numbers when he has two strikes and it seems he is not quite getting the results that he wants with two strikes, but I have not investigated this further because I've been in this podcast, right, so I'm going to come A. up with something you know.
0: yeah podcast i
1: know yeah but this is a this is a mystery for the podcast that by the time that this podcast is posted i'm going to guess the mystery will have already been if not solved then at least published for all else to solve on what well, is change up
0: i mean he he's gotten in the past he's gotten tons of whiffs on it and he's just at 14 percent right now the change up yeah. is not working
1: no and the and the breaking ball is no better
0: yeah you're right wow yeah I mean, he's bananas. The, his his, 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 his <laughs> bananas. <laughs> so many bananas.
1: It's basically the, his secondary pitches are worse. I don't know why. Right.
0: Well, he's as he lost a little arm speed. I mean, it looks like his his fastball velocity is down a tiny bit.
1: That's it's fine. It seems like it's fine.
0: Yeah. All right, we'll take that take that tact if you want to. <laughs> All right, I should get going. Hey, hey. Okay. Jeff hey. Sullivan, uh, stick around for one moment, but a uh, real pleasure to talk with you, you um, even if uh, there's uh, hardly any
1: substance. Absolutely. Always right. a pleasure.
0: All right. Uh, that is uh, Jeff Sullivan, a uh, – what, an editor? Senior editor?
1: Se- senior, I think it's senior editor.
0: Senior editor of Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio.